Hello guys and welcome to episode 12 of the Blue Code Project podcast. It's your host Matt back for another wonderful pod um, and I'm happy to say that we can talk about wins and we can talk about multiple wins. Obviously we spoke about Luton before but we've scored four goals against Preston. Four nil win. Perfect. You'd, you'd Well you'd think it would be perfect but listen to Twitter and you'd think otherwise but there you go. Um, once again I'm joined by Carlito, Carlito, how you doing? Uh, I'm a mixed bag. You know, I, I'm just coming off another episode of COVID, which is just becoming sort of a sick joke at this point. But I, I am very thrilled with the second half response against North End. I thought the game itself was topsy-turvy. There was a big dichotomy between the first and second half. But really, that's why you play 90 minutes. You have fans that thought the sky was falling after 45 acting as though the sport itself is a game of 45 minutes and that's why you have halftime that's why the manager has 20 minutes to talk to his people get some orange slices in you know in the 80s they would have smoked a couple cigarettes talked about the half and then you get back out there with adjustments with a different game plan with maybe an altered scheme and that's what i love that would happen but my goodness Fans are starting to lose their shit because after 18 months of bad results, a lot of them are the mask of sanity that they've been wearing is slipping. So it's it's interesting to watch. But for me, I'm pleased with the result and I'm pleased with the adjustments. Well, it's lovely to hear you're getting better. And yeah, I I agree with all what you just said. Um, Jesters, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, nice to talk to, uh, to some, some really nice people uh, on a Chelsea Legends birthday about a game. And, I, you know, it's it's probably conceited to call myself a Chelsea legend today, but, you know, I'm going to say it anyway. So, yeah, Happy I'm looking birthday, forward to it. Happy birthday, Jared. Happy birthday. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this discussion. Let's get into it. You see, we call that a bait and switch. Everybody thought they were going to talk about Hazard. Oh, no, 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 no. That was a nice little Kansas City shuffle there. He's talking about himself. And he's 57 years old, I believe, so no, we walked yeah, right into no, that no. one. Okay, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> last but not least, we have a, a very fun guest. Uh, this is someone who works with Alex and with Charlie over at Chelsea, Chelsea Fan TV. Uh, she does Nina's Corner um, on that channel. She's great. She's very charismatic. Um, Nina, how are you? Hello. Well, thank you very much for the nice introduction. I'm good, thanks. Um, yeah, new year, hopefully new Chelsea is what I'm hoping for. But yeah, it's nice to sort of get into a bit of a streak. I think January is a month where we can actually go on a bit of a more of a winning streak. I think the games we have ahead allows us to do that, hopefully. And I like the fact that we're still in two domestic cups. I said for me, a good season at Chelsea would really be winning a domestic cup. And actually, we're not as far reach as uh, we may have thought last year so yes I think we can actually maybe have a bit of a turnaround this month but I'm also not getting too ahead of myself because I know what the reality is I know what the club is going through at the minute I know Pochettino has also got some difficulties there are some injuries so I think we still need to be realistic but it's not so much as pessimistic as it was perhaps earlier at the start of the season I'd say mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's a fair intro and uh we're going to get into it. Go ahead, Maddie. Start us with the first topic on your agenda, also known as a to-do list. Yeah, I mean, 
we'll, we'll start and we'll kind of start from the beginning, really. Um, yeah. Starting lineup, obviously the FA the FA Cup clearly to Poch is one of the most important trophies of the season since the league is done. Um, I'll start with guys. What do you think of the lineup? Fairly strong, um, and would you have changed anything at all? I mean, I'll start and I'll say. Gilchrist is more of a center back and to put him at outside back when he's not very fleet of foot, he's going against probably their best player. I mean, I'm not going to say I watched North end a lot, but you could tell pretty immediately that their left wing was their best player. He was one of the fastest players on the field and Alfie was kind of thrown to the, to the wolves there a little bit. You know, we we've made a habit of playing center backs and outside back and we're not the only team that's been doing this arsenal's been doing this pep really started it and it's become something in vogue that i don't like the people are center backs for a reason they're taller more physical you know they're looking to win that scrap in the middle of the park outside backs you have to be a lot quicker because you're going to be playing against the quickest players on the field you have to be more agile side to side you have to be but very adept at turning on a dime. And Gilchrist just looks like a center back. You know, he's six foot tall. It's not that tall, but he, he moves like a center back. He plays like a center back. And uh, Poach kind of fucked him on that. So uh, I, I don't know if I love that. Um, he, he was okay, even though he got burned a couple times. But nice little debut for him. I do not agree with anything that Simon Johnson said. With, or sorry, Simon Phillips said with regards to Alfie. I thought he was okay. Uh, other portions of the lineup, Raheem Sterling in the first half was dreadful. <clears throat> Second half, very good. I thought Broya really stood out as a player that we cannot play through uh, with the ball on the ground. I think that this is this is an old school player. You know, wants the ball served him on his head in the box, but any sort of link up play, Broya, shockingly after many years at Cobham, is still oof, very raw. And I don't really know how that happens. Him and Gallagher, I don't know how they're still so raw after spending so much time in a prestigious academy that uh, really works on things like skilled, smart, worldly players, and they're just the foot skills are just not there. Uh, I liked Enzo and Casado on the double pivot. They don't normally play that together, so that was great. Uh, I love Cole Palmer. I think he is the bee's knees. Should uh, should have finished that, but overall the lineup was fine. Um, Gusto. Obviously, not his natural position. Once he went to right back, much, much better for not just himself, but everybody else. But as a whole, uh, no excuse for that first half performance. That was just uh, a lack of energy, a lack of spirit, a lack of what a vive. But um, second half, we did turn it around. So the lineup was fine, and it, it, it was serviceable enough to not be tied 1-1 at half. Or sorry, to not be tied 0-0 at half. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I, don't, I didn't have much problems in the lineup. I think I would have... If you're going to play a centre-back at right-back, I probably would have just shifted to Sassy into right-back because he has played that at least before. I think, to my knowledge, I don't think Gilchrist has played that in the academy. I don't watch enough of the academy to know. But I would know at least the Sassy has played at right-back before. And while it's not exactly the... You, you want a right-back at right-back, we just need full-backs fit to do that. That's, I think that is the, the crux of the problem, that we don't have trusted full-backs fit. Uh, I mean, I was saying to someone yesterday, I was like, what do you want, Dylan, Will- Dylan Williams to start his debut on the left-back or something? Because it's the 
closest left back I can see that actually meets the height requirements at least to play at left back. Um, but it is what it is. Jess, what do you think of the line? Well, I, I I can tell you why Alfie played right back and not center back is it because it's easier to cover for a right back's mistake than a center back's mistake. So that's why he was at right back and not center back. Um, yeah. Uh, right. And I, that was expected from me. I thought that would happen. Uh, we found out that uh, Raheem Sterling's half the player on the right-hand side that he is on the left-hand side. Uh, with with Cole Palmer and Madueke coming uh, back into form and actually playing like he wants starting minutes. You know, he, he's playing defense. He's hustling the entire time he's out there on the pitch. There's no reason to play Raheem on the right. Just play him on the left. Rotate him and Mudrick uh, because you have two inverted right wingers that, that are actually playing very well. There's no reason to force somebody at a position where you're retarding what they do best. Raheem Sterling at this point is not a build-up player, and we're building down the right-hand right side. You want him with the ball in around the box to finish. Mm. You don't want him dribbling – through the midfield, because some of those skills have eroded as he's advanced in age. A little, little loss of pace. Um, so for me, you play him on the left-hand side where he is. Uh, if you're going to build up down the right, then you know what? He's great at the back door, right? The back post, that guy is is who you want every time. Uh, that's where he made his living at Man City. So uh, other than that, I can't complain about the lineup. It was... Uh, more of the disjointed nature in the first half. Uh, we did have two opportunities that should have been put away in the first half. Enzo mm-hmm. got robbed, but I digress. Yeah. How about you, Nina? Um, I also was a bit skeptical about the lineup, to be honest. And I agree with Ryan that I thought Alfie was thrown in the deep end a little bit. And to be honest with you, I think that partly why we struggled so much in the first half was because we were very limited in how much creativity we had offered from our fullbacks. And you could see that there weren't any overlaps. There wasn't much um, support to our wingers from either side, I'd argue, because I think Malagusto equally struggled in that first half to offer Midrick much support. And what often happened was we'd get to that final third and then we'd just back pass because there was no way through and I think when you are playing particularly against a team that does set up a low block you're really limiting your game and obviously that changed in the second half and I think we got much more out but you know I wouldn't blame that on Alfie you know it's not necessarily criticizing him for that because he is a centre-back I think defensively he did his job very well but moving forwards there was really no support offered and um, that really changed because you see, even with the assist um, to Breuer's goal, Malagusto was able to um, shift the ball to his right foot, which is his stronger foot. You know, that was uh, sort of very well crafted. But you see, when he does play on the right, he can actually do that a lot more naturally. There's more crosses that he manages to get off into the box. And I'd blame Pochettino for that because it's not necessarily just this game. You know, we've seen it in, in many games. And you get it when you play Levi Colwell at left back as well. And really, I don't like, and I'm not a fan of Pochettino's experiments with playing centre-backs as full-backs because it really limits our game moving forward as well and you can see that I think Levi Colwell partly why he has been so criticised is because he has been switching between centre-back and left-back and again that's very um, in my opinion very like 
inhibiting for a young centre-back that's just finding his feet, that's just arrived into the squad to have to play between two positions, uh, like game in, game out. And I think that really is stopping him from becoming the best player that he can be in that role. And uh, yeah, and that's on Poch. We've seen that Ian Matson has been able to play in that position, yet the first he- the first game that he will start will be as a winger, when the last time we saw that was in pre-season. So, you know, Pochettino often overcomplicates it when it doesn't need to be as complicated. And to be fair, I, I get the point about it being easier to cover for... Um, a right back's a mistake as opposed to a centre back. But you know, equally when DeSassi played there as a right back, I think he really limited our game moving forward. And when he often received the ball, he would just pass it back as well. So I think the fact that things livened up in the second half, I think really did come from that shift in the fullbacks positions. And yeah, Malagusto, in my opinion, can offer as much as Reese James can moving forward. And that's a big statement to make. But I always say if recruitment did one job right this summer, it was bringing Malagusto because I think he's a very fit number two in my opinion um, in the absence of Reese James so yeah definitely positives but you know Poch said something about us being our worst enemies but I really doesn't don't think he helps when he plays players consistently in and out of different positions and you know if it was an experienced defender I'd say fair enough up for the challenge but when it's with players that have just arrived into the squad or have just come out of the academy I think that's a really big job to, to give them and expect them to uh, give you as much as a uh, a normal fallback words it's a really good point and uh <clears throat> excuse me you know one of the things that mudrick needs is he needs the ball early on a switch okay because when he doesn't get the ball you see him coming back closer to the midfield line and also drifting inside because he's he's searching for the ball right but ironically the guy that has given him the most service has been Levi Colwell. Whether that's, I mean, immediately in the second half, Colwell played a ball, a peach of a ball, split the center back and outside back. It's an iconic, classic Mudrick run. And uh, Mudrick got the ball a couple times in those spaces. Then when he finally won the ball uh, for the first goal, he played it to Gusto, Gusto crossed it in. So it's, it's, it's interesting that I agree with you with the Colwell thing. Colwell struggles one-on-one defensively on the outside. It's the hardest type of defense when you're going against a winger. But he also gives Mudrick the best service. So if I were to have continued this experimentation due to lack of personnel, which is why he's playing there, no Kukurea, no Ben Chilwell, I get it. But I, I would have just gone with Gusto on the right side. I understand why he puts Gusto there. Gusto is a great defender. But Gusto also wants to cut inside. And the natural flow of possession when you're going from right to left is to continue that ball down the down the flank. And when Gusto plays on the left side. He'll cut inside. It'll ruin that switch because that's just a natural switch. And the ball should end up in Mudrick's feet, but it didn't. And Mudrick was stifled. Mudrick uh, was obviously frustrated. And if Caldwell were to, to have started there, even though I don't like him in outside back, if he were to have started there, Caldwell would have let the ball drift to his left foot, which means that his next pass would have been immediately to Mudrick down the line. Um, but Gusto just wasn't doing that, and that's because it's not his position. Even though he can play it, he shouldn't if he doesn't have to. Um, so I, I agree with everybody's point there. And as soon as we get healthy at outside back, I don't want to see this center back at outside back shit anymore. That's one Pep Guardiolaism that I am not terribly interested in. Yeah, I think I, I, I just think where I, I think it will change once Chilwell 
once Cucurello both fit, I feel like you will you will have one of the left backs playing at left back, Gustav Reese playing at right back. Um, it, I think it's just a situation that we have so many injuries into one position that there's not really much we can do. And I think with with a team that is so kind of small, already physicality and is already struggling with set pieces, having a left back who's five foot four isn't really. I, I can understand why. That is a big hesitation for Poch to go to. And again, do you want to throw other academy left-backs or right-backs that haven't played any games against the likes of Arsenal's Man Cities? I think in the cup game, sure, for against Preston's, you can you can maybe put players in that um, are less experienced, but you've got to have a plan kind of going for the season. As, as we've seen, we, we haven't had full-backs for most of the season, if not the whole season. Um, so I, th- I think it's it's something I can understand. If if, if, if everyone's fit and Potch is still doing the same, then I'll make the criticism. But it's one of them ones that I'm kind of like, I will not, I, I, I struggle to criticise him at the moment when I can see the reason why he's doing it. Oh, Matt, I don't think he'd be doing that if if Ben and, and Kukurea, Reese, if those guys are healthy, he's not improvising with... You know, what Nina called it overthinking, and, and I agree with her. I agree with her in saying that. But I also just think, you know, th- th- this this is just about injuries. And I know that, you know, someone who played for Chelsea and yet still has some sick, twisted negativity towards Chelsea, Craig Burley, at the end of the game says, I don't care how many injuries Chelsea has. It's no excuse. They've got a deep squad. It's like, no, when you have 16 players injured, that is a talking point. That is something that you need to address because yeah. Poach has a, a plan in his mind. He's had a plan in his mind since he took this job. And if he fucking cannot execute that plan because the players are simply not there, then he does have to improvise. And sometimes it ends up being four center backs in the back line, which I agree stinks. DeSassi's lumbering. Colwell, not a natural left back. It, it doesn't look good. It slows us down. But, like, we have to do it right now until – everybody's healthy. I think Chilwell's almost back, so we should be good there. But Well, also the, the idea that uh, set pieces have anything to do with physicality and not have to do with will and your brain and actually playing correctly, I, I don't, I, I really don't get that. Um, Thiago Silver's our best set piece player and he's six foot tall and he's 39 years old. Let's let's put that to bed. Uh, um, I watched Dennis Rodman dominate at six six seven six eight. Had no basketball skill. Dominate and rebound because he wanted it more than anybody else. So some of that is I'm going to be lazy and then mark, mark my man, not follow my man. So, so let's let's uh, not not get to the point where yes, the height does matter, but when you're talking about a few inches and not you know six or seven. Let's be a little bit calm on that. So, okay, fair enough. So, Nina, I I just make a last point just before that. Actually, on your note, Ryan, about the um, left back, I'm pretty sure there was a game, and I think this might have been right at the start of the season, maybe September or October, where but all three of Matson, Cucurella, and Chilwell were on the bench, and Levi Colwell started ahead of all of those players at left back. Yeah. Yeah, and I completely disagreed with that. 
with, with, with what he did there. Yeah, and then Chilwell went to wing, I believe, at a certain point in that game. Yeah. Yeah, Nina, I don't agree with that at all. I, I really, I know, I know. really wish that he didn't. Like, it, uh, and I don't, I don't think he'd do it now, I suppose is what I'm saying, because I think at the beginning when, when you saw Colwell, athletic player, really, really good passer, great passer of the ball, I thought that maybe he was utilizing that as some contingency plan, but he's really not a, a flank defender. He gets beat a lot, and he lets people shoot. That leads to goals. So he, he, I don't think he wants to play there. I don't think Poach wants him to, but very fair point that you just made because that did happen, and when that happened, I was like, oh, my goodness. This cannot be a thing the rest of the season. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Neat. Matt, I did want to. I want to ask everybody this because this is a tale of two halves. We talked about the lineup, the first half lackluster, but I do want to talk about both adjustments made at halftime and fan base attitude by halftime because I saw the adjustments for the second half. I thought they were, they were really good. They they were both subs, you know, tweaks in the way that we were passing the ball, you know, more emphasis on certain areas. But I saw the fan base opinion at halftime. And I, I, I just, I couldn't believe some of the language and I, and I'm no prude, you know, nothing offends me at all. But even then I was like, fuck me, man. Like you, you really, really hate this manager and you really hate this ownership and no matter what, they can't win with you. Like, and so I, I, I want to get your guys' opinion on that because to me, it, I'm not only bored with it, I, I I'm, I'm getting to the point where there's a little disdain there where I'm starting to dislike being associated with certain aspects of this fan base, certain attitudes with this fan base, um, because it's becoming unnecessarily negative. Oh, is that, is that for anybody? That's for Matt <laughs> and for oh. anybody, but really, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I mean, this is football, man. Come on. Yeah. It's not foreign uh, policy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, I, I, I mean, I, I, look, I saw tweets that you, you're hating managers and players with passion. And it's like with passion. That's, that's a bit. That's a strong. Well, hate's a strong word anyway. Um, to use for most players, you can dislike someone, but to hate someone that that is a strong word in itself. Then to say with a passion, um, I, 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 I struggle to tr- take people seriously when you. When you, you you hate Chelsea players with passion and you hate Chelsea managers with passions, like it, it you I, I get you you can not like someone and not like the way someone plays, but to hate someone with a passion that plays for your football club that hasn't unless they've disres- like Lukaku for example, I can understand people saying they hate Lukaku with a passion because he's done something to disrespect the football club. But I don't think any of these players really have done anything to disrespect the football club enough to say that you should hate them with a passion. Um, I just think there are just, unfortunately, and I've said it for years, there are too many fans with too many agendas, player agendas, agendas to get rid of managers. They're too short-termism, they're too spoiled, they're too entitled. um, And that just corrupts a sense of judgment uh, in a lot of people. I mean... I look. I looked at that first half, and of course, it wasn't a great first half, personally. Um, but I always looked at it as as soon as Chelsea would score the first goal, which I always thought the first goal would come. Preston weren't really that much of a threat at all. Um, no. It's not like some of the Premier League teams where they have a few chances, and you could see there might be a way where they'd score. Preston, apart from maybe the odd corner, 
um, which they weren't really getting that many corners anyway. Um, there was no real opportunity where I looked and went, they're a threat here. Um, and once again, as, as soon as we scored the goal and they had to come out and score, and I had to go out and get another goal, the floodgates opened and we were able to score more and more. And I knew that would be the end, the end goal of the game, and it did. Um, but that's that's uh, that's for me. Uh, I think I'm at least a, at least a little bit patient uh, with this team um, and can see the sense. But unfortunately, we've just got too many people with agen- with uh, vendettas in this fan base. I don't even like to call it agenda. <laughs> I, I, I want to use the stronger term of vendetta because that's what I think it is a sort of points. Nina, I want to get because you're you're pretty boots on the ground there. You know you 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 you're in these circles with Chelsea Fan TV where you'll. You'll meet some interesting fans. You'll get some interesting opinions. Now, I, Alex, Charlie, those guys, super level-headed. I, I think Lewis, Lewis has kind of lost his mind a little bit, even though I love Lewis. But you've seen some opinions that are borderline, you know, hyperbolic, a little hysterical. And uh, I just want to get your opinion on, you know, the, the, the pulse and temperature of the fan base there in, in, uh, in the hometown. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Um, Charlie, Alex and I were actually shamelessly Graham Potter in until the very end. So I think Me too. Uh, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So I think if anyone's going to give Pochettino time, it's going to be us because I think I like to believe that Pochettino is a better manager than Graham Potter. So, yes, look, I've been defending Pochettino a lot and I will criticise the decisions he makes, as I did now with the choice in fullbacks and sometimes the tactical choices in games. There has been man management that's been questionable, substitutions, which I don't agree with. But I just like to see the bigger picture and think any manager that has walked into Chelsea this season will be faced with the exact same problems. I like to think that certain players he's got a better tune out of than last season. Last season, Midrick was never a manager's favourite, let alone giving him more than two or three runs of games, you know. And I'd like to think that he's a player that's improved and maybe that's on Poch, maybe that's just individual development. But either way, I think Midrick's improved. Conor Gallagher's a completely different player to what we saw last season. He was nothing more than a squad player at best. And if you told me we'd sell him in summer, I probably wouldn't have blinked and I wouldn't have been opposed to it. Now that's very different. And look, people laugh at me for saying that that's a good enough reason to trust Poch. It's not, but I just think that there has been times where we have seen better patterns of play on the pitch. There has been a better better uh, intent of game plan as well and although that's been inconsistent I think that comes with the players you have you know he's not just walked into a dressing room where we have a few new additions he's walked into a dressing room where everyone pretty much arrived in the last year during a change of ownership during where they faced maybe multiple injuries during a time where they've barely played with some of the players on our injury list and are just expected to thrive in the system the next game when everyone's fit and unfortunately as much as we'd love that to be the ideal world I just recognize it's so much harder than just that and I think he's been under a lot of scrutiny but I just think the easiest thing you can do when things go wrong is point the finger at the manager because it's the only thing you can change immediately you can't change the ownership because they're here to stay 
You can't change all the players because they're locked into seven, eight, nine-year deals and they've just walked through the door. You can't really change all the backroom staff. You can't change the coaches straight away. But the manager is the one thing that you can change. And um, I just think that we have to stray away from this chopping and changing of managers. You know, it's worked out for us in the past, but I'd like to think that we need to start building an affinity with one manager. We need to start looking ahead to something more sustainable and long term because these players are here to stay and we have to make it work somehow. And although there might be mistakes that were made, I think a lot of them were from recruitment as well. But, you know, Pochettino is the one that's supposed to make it all work. So, of course, it's going to be the easiest thing to do to say that he's not doing a good job. But there's been many questionable transfers we've made. We can all agree. You know, we've bumped up the prices of many players that, although have lots of potential, they're not worth 120 million or 110 million or 100 even. And that's uh, that's just a mixture of facts. And I can go on and on and on but I just think Pochettino at least needs until the end of the season and trust me if we actually are able to win the Carabao Cup I think the Pochettino hate is going to die down big time and I hope it's not going to be an Eric Ten Hag situation where you know (laughs) won the Carabao Cup in his first season and then things are very different the next but I just think he at least needs a transfer window as well to maybe even two and that's not to buy more players it's to at least have his say and his agency in bringing even one player that he thinks will improve the squad and that might be experience but Pochettino didn't want all of these players he was just given them and now he's trying to work out who fits where with injuries with all that but the only reason that we are under so much scrutiny is because of the price and the amount we spent and that's not me accepting where we are in terms of our league position the result no I don't back that but I just think that it was always going to be too over optimistic to think that things were going to be rosy and we were going to be in in top four immediately yes we should be getting back into Europe that's a must and it's a minimum at Chelsea Football Club but I don't agree with with how much hate Pochettino has been receiving for all of that. If you want to blame someone, then okay, but let it be a collective rather than just Pochettino. Woo! What an answer. I love that. Uh, thank you, Nina. Uh, Jared, what do you think? Fan vitriol? Is that is that sort of misplaced anger? Uh, do they have a misunderstanding of what's really going on at this club? Is it because he's just a former Spurs manager and we've got a bunch of American yank owners and, you know, they're all just capitalists with agendas and anti-British sentiment? I mean, what's what's the real deal here? Well, look, I'll be very real. I didn't want Pochettino to come in the first place. Oh, I didn't either. I didn't either. And I don't want him here now. It has nothing to do do with anything other than the fact I don't think he's the guy to lead us to the promised land. Right. If you're if you're trying to get someplace, put the right person in position. Don't don't go through. Oh, we have to change halfway through to get to the next stage. I I'm not that type of dude. Whatever. It's not like I'm gonna I'm gonna sit and protest and and, and be a butthead like some of us some in the fan base. Here's a, here's our fan base at a at a microcosm, and I don't paint with a broad brush because there are good people in the fan base, but the loudest ones tend to be the worst. Let's just say that. So we've been hearing, oh, we're buying nothing but kids. It's uh, some sort of island that's been in the news. And that's all we want is little kids. Okay? We want to go get Jordan Henderson. Oh, why do we want Jordan Henderson? He's too old. He's washed. Well, you wanted experienced players. 
Who's more experienced in the midfield than Jordan Henderson? No? Oh, okay. So it's 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 the specific player that you want that you didn't get that you're upset about. Or there's an academy player that you wanted to play in that position, and so you're upset about it. Either way, this we're we're supposed to be Chelsea football club fans, not a certain player or a certain way to play the game or anything else. If if you're not a Chelsea football club fan and you're you got a player that you're a fan of or your certain style or if you don't do this I, I can't be a total fan you know buy in or don't buy in if you're going to be halfway in that's that's being lukewarm and lukewarm is never good in any facet you're either 100 percent in or you're 100 out don't be 50 50. it's a fair point you know again i will say that because they naturally just don't like the ownership they love Don Roman, even though Roman, dude, his regime was really messy. And for a long time, we could just paper over the cracks, paper over the cracks by buying players. We would deal with our problems by you know, becoming rich and spending money. And that was it because he took on all our debt because he was this huge football fan with billions of dollars and he didn't care about balanced books. I mean, it's great, but it was a pretty sloppy regime. And when he didn't like a manager, he'd fire them, and then he would just go buy a couple more players. And once the game became more modern, I believe around 2012, 2013, you had to be more calculated in the way that you bought players. And even though I'm not a huge fan of analytics, you did have to start incorporating sports science and analytics and efficiency experts into the way that you scout players. And that is where you started to see more longer-term plans with longer-term managers. This became the rise of Klopp. This became the rise of Guardiola post Bayern Munich. You know, he comes into City. Klopp comes into um, Liverpool. And they have this plan. And it's not a six-month plan. It's not a win-now plan. It's a sustainable-for-a-decade plan. And they have credit to them, and there are two ownership groups. They have stuck to their guns. And as a result... Over the last 10 years, those have been the two most successful teams. Neither of those teams have net spend the way that we have. Neither of those teams have spent the money that we have in totality uh, because they've also sold players. Man City's really good at selling players. And Liverpool often does not spend the type of money that we do. But both those teams have been more calculated. And they've been more progressive in their approach as a club from an ethos perspective. And instead of just run and gun, hire and fire, throw money at problems, paper over cracks, instead they went to the root of the problem. They bought younger, developed through the academy. When they needed a really good player, they bought that player. When they needed a Jack Grealish, they bought a Jack Grealish. Okay, when they needed a Luis Diaz, right, they went and bought a Luis Diaz. You know, Tiago Alcantara that one year when they won. So those, those situations are, are smart buys with smart clubs becoming a more progressive approach based team. And with Chelsea, we're trying to do that too. We're late. We're late. But it's it's just not the way that we used to operate. Our modus operandi under Roman was, was chaos, money, expectations, fire and fury. Got it. Got it. This is different. This is a more nuanced approach. This is the way that teams now are building their clubs because everyone now thinks that this is the way you should do it. 
And Chelsea fans are having an extremely difficult time not winning something every six months. And to that, I have to say, boo fucking who. Okay? Welcome to the middle for the first time since 2003. This is how every other club and every other fan base has felt the entire time. And yet you, because you decided to like Chelsea when you were a young kid, or maybe it was passed down to you via legacy from your parents or your neighborhood, that you think that you have some divine right to success just because you were born in some posh city in London. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Welcome to the middle for the first time in a very, very, very long time, because this is how everybody else has felt forever. Okay. This is how Newcastle has felt for a long time. I mean, how do you think Norwich fans feel? How do you think West Ham fans have felt? How do you think Everton fans have felt? They've had David Moyes for 10 years. David Moyes stinks. All right. Welcome to the middle for the first time. And a lot of people cannot handle it. Now, I don't think we'll be here very long, but we had to break to build because we had a lot of things to break. Well said. (laughs) It's true, though. And I think everyone was really impressed with the clear out we did as well. So that's one at least good thing because we got rid of players that we've you know been hanging over for a few years now you know we wanted to refresh midfield even when Roman was here and it was something that we struggled to do for a couple uh, years and and we did it and people still will complain because yes look as much as I agree it was a very quick transition and it was almost sort of you know erase completely and start from a, a clean slate and perhaps experience is missing in this squad but you know I'm I'm born in 2001 like this life is all I've ever known seeing Chelsea win (laughs) so it's like I kind of see it the way like I can I've seen us be so successful you know I've been in school when my friends have supported you know Tottenham and Arsenal throughout the years and I've always been the one that's been smiling through it you know so I just choose to see it in a way it's like if I've supported the club and I've seen us at the top it's like I'm not going to cry about two really poor seasons where it's been so tough I'm not accepting that it's fine but at the same time I will still support the club through the bad times you know so it's like I just choose to I guess put my positive glasses on and just see it in a better way and you know people have said when you do want to start fresh and it's a new project it's a new regime then things aren't going to be the same you know you change so much why do we expect that it's going to be immediately as successful and as good as it was right before everything changed when Roman sold Chelsea so I think there is a sort of middle ground that we have to come to you know people say oh you know this would never have been acceptable well of course not but it's new owners as well and Jared I just want to point out on your um, statement that you didn't want Pochettino in in the first place but do you not think then that's ownership that made that mistake because they already got one appointment wrong with Graham Potter if they admit they got another one wrong with appointing Pochettino then where does that put us with the faith um, for, the, for the future of Chelsea with these owners at the wheel? Well I, look the the owners have to have to deal with that okay I, I'm not gonna uh, provide cover for for uh, what they did last year. I thought it was a disgrace. And I'm very pro of this ownership. I did not like what they did in chopping, changing managers last year. Because it was, it, on the surface, it looked like they didn't know what they were doing. And it didn't help the play on the field at all. So you just should have stayed with Graham Potter the whole year and just been done with it. Because you look like, we look like a, a clown show. Uh, so yeah, I understand the, the, the need to keep Potch. My thing was I would have hired somebody that I thought 
was going to be here for five years and was the guy to lead us to every title, right? That is, that, that for me, Potch is going to be here for two years, not win us a title, and then we're changing system or changing coach again. And to me, I, I just find that person first time, so you don't have to chop and change again. Um, uh, so that that was my only problem with Potch, and I, and again, I just if you're not if you're not if he's not your person, if he's not your handpicked person or the person you wanted, if things aren't going right, what's the first thing you're gonna do? Got to got to move him on. So there is bias. It's not because he went to Tottenham. I watched him play at PSG. I thought PSG didn't play very good football when he was there. So. Mine is actually watching his teams play and not really liking the way that his teams actually play. Um, you can take Tottenham for for a, a, as an outlier, but the Tottenham team never won anything. So like who, who would you have wanted? Who would you have wanted? I was a Nagelsmann fan. I was a big Nagelsmann fan. I liked that. I like. Uh, okay. I like the way he um, does things, but. Uh, you know, th- there's other people out there. I just didn't think that Potch has showed had a CV that said yes, guy that needs to come in to take Chelsea to to the promised land. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have I would have wanted Marcelo Gallardo, but uh, you know, it, I wonder about the language gap um, mm-hmm. because you, you have to be able to communicate. I mean, I if I was a professional manager and um, you know, I'd, someone from uh, the Super League in China wanted to hire me. I, I mean, I can't speak, I can't speak Chinese, you know, I mean, so there would be a language gap there. And with Gallardo, uh, who's now in Saudi Pro League, uh, ironically, um, yeah, I don't know if there would have been a language gap there with him being from Argentina, but he was at River for eight years and was really, really successful. So that's why I thought that maybe they would have uh, looked at that and looked at someone that, that had a plan, sustained success, and pull the trigger on that, but maybe there was a language gap. Maybe he just loved the paycheck at uh, in Saudi Arabia, but that would have been my first choice. But with Pochettino now, I, I'm definitely backing him. Uh, I, I sympathize with the, with the fact that he can't pick the players that he wants within his plan, his scheme, you know, his template. Uh, and and I, I also kind of like him. I, I, I like his attitude. I like the way that he carries himself. Um, I think that eventually he will become a manager that will win things for us, maybe sooner than you think. I also think the players respect him because he wasn't just a pretty successful manager that took a very mediocre little itty-bitty club to the Champions League final. Uh, He was a player. He was also Mm -hmm. a player and a good one. So when you have both those things, players do respect that. Yeah, Let's not get carried away about the the players that uh, managers want. Because uh, the manager that, that that certain part of the fan base wants back, Thomas Tuchel, just went out and got Eric Dyer. So let's not talk about uh, some oh, managers. Oh, man, so many of the players, Jared, <laughs> so many of the players. Dude, so many of the players uh, hated Tuchel. Some of the players absolutely hated Tuchel. I mean, no. that, that's so overlooked. He pissed everybody off. So, I mean, this was not rosy under Thomas Tuchel, I promise. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Bad attitudes? What, what are we dealing with here, man? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I with kind of Poch in general, I, I think it's it's the fact of yeah, you you could have won someone like Nagelsmann, which I, I'd argue 
Nagel's been the same guy who just expected to get the job without any interview process. Uh, I yeah. can understand not kind of being exactly uh, fruity with that with that kind of type of person, unless they are a Pep Guardiola. Because at the end of the day, Nagelsmann is not exactly a he's not exactly got a resume full of trophies himself. Um, but my, I mean, I I wasn't someone that particularly liked Poch um, before. Um, I didn't really want him as an appointment, but I've actually watched him and what what watched. What, at least what I can see at the moment, and I'm I'm, I'm more happy with him before than I was before. Um, I I don't agree with sacking him now because I just think, who do you want to come in? I think I I hear all these people saying, oh let's just sack Poch every five minutes, um, and then I I, I turn around and go, well, if you want to sack Poch, just fine, but who do you want? What, you can't just give me throw away comments like that without actually giving me a plan of how you get out of this situation and i guess i, I you get something like simeone simeone's at simeone's, <laughs> simeone's earning god knows how much at left Madrid on effectively a lifelong contract that he's never going to walk away from we're never going to pay him what's what is it at Atletico madrid um so that's just a gone deal and it done did not no deal anyway plus i i find someone who doesn't someone who doesn't want to leave a certain role Sometimes there's a reason for that, and maybe because that role suits their style, and that he would get found out, almost like someone like Antonio Conte has at tight points of going to different leagues. Um, I hear other ridiculous comments, um, of ridiculous managers, and I even hear the the one that cracks me up is, "Let's get John Terry in for the role." Um, I mean, I, I I like John Terry, respect John Terry, but. I, I do not want to go down the Lampard role again. Um, but until I hear a sustainable plan of, yes, sack Poch and let's get in someone else, then I, I can't subscribe even to the thought of that idea at the moment, uh, especially when there is, as Carlito you said, good enough reasons to understand why this process hasn't gone along. Um, I think these injuries, I think people throw away these injuries like it's nothing. And I mean, if you would if it was one or two three injuries but we've had at least seven eight nine injuries throughout the whole season um you look at cl- you look at clubs and teams newcastle suddenly starting to get injuries and look they're right where we are basically they're dropping they're dropping down as far as we are uh, and if they had that for the whole season newcastle would be nowhere near where they are now um and that's someone like eddie howe who's like oh so i had people saying oh eddie howe should come to the job because he's done really well at newcastle well, we're struggling now, um, and as, as we know from Steve, Steve wants him. Steve potentially wants him gone a bit at some point. Um, but then, and then you've got you've got you've got even like look, look at Liverpool last season. They had injury troubles. They dropped down, all right, not as far as we dropped down, but they arguably had less than us. Um, their players are all fit again now, and they're fighting for the title. Would you, if 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 Jurgen Klopp was in the situation we had, Jurgen Klopp would have been. Called out by our managers and uh, by our players and sacked and pl- called out by our fans and sacked um, potentially. But Liverpool stuck with him because they believe in the project and believe in him um, and but and see the context of there's a lot of injuries this summer and we need to potentially get some of these injury prone players out and bring in new faces, refresh the squad. They have and lo and behold, they're fighting for a title again. So I think I think 
us fans, again, as I've said, we need to just be a bit more humble about ourselves. Realise that this is a much more competitive league than any other league under Roman Abramovich. Under Roman Abramovich, if you had a bad bad season, you'd finish third or fourth. If you had a bad season, now you finish 15th, 16th. <laughs> yeah, it's called and, parody, and, money and talent. And that's, and, that, and that's the thing. I, 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 just, I, just, I just think until the Broaden fan base wake up, you're just going to hear the same opinions. Uh, so I just, I don't like to get involved in it until, un, unless it's a sustained and nice discussion, kind of like this, where we've all got different opinions on what we want, but we can all give good reasons um, and actually not just come out with just throwaway statements and actually provide plans and reasons to why and what we want to change, which I think is great. Yeah, I mean, let's just well, let's close this out with each of us just giving a couple of thoughts about the second half because. This is where you'll never the negative fans they'll never say the poach made good halftime adjustments, but since I'm you know I'm, I'm not a, certainly not a negative fan I love this club and I'll love this club long into the future. Um, yeah, I was I've been here for a while and I'm not going anywhere. Uh, he made some great adjustments at half. I'm sure he screamed at them because their 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 level of attitude and energy was being surpassed by North End. And not only North End's players, but North End's fans with some hilarious chants that I'm sure ESPN did not enjoy that were coming through the TV. <laughs> Great chance for the North End fans. Um, I, I, yeah, he, he made some subs, you know, a couple of minutes into the second half, but he made some adjustments as well. Our patterns of play started getting a little bit better. We started becoming creative. Immediately, there was a ball played to Mujic that was phenomenal. Um, and, you know, we got that first goal. Great ball by Gusto. Really, really strong header from Broja. And then it was pretty much over because Preston could no longer play sitting back. They had to respond if they wanted to get anything out of the game, you know, and take us into um, uh, essentially, I guess, his penalties they have at the FA Cup. And uh, so they brought them out of their shell. And as soon as that happened, we killed them for it. Second half was class. First half was ass. Needed the first goal. But you know, that's why there's two halves. That's why there's a halftime. It's why they don't just play for 90 minutes, all right? You have a halftime, okay? You get your orange slices, and, you know, you, you keep it moving. Okay, yeah, replay, got it, whatever. Um, but now I think that they're completely toast. And I'm very, very, very pleased with the way that we responded because the first half, it was unacceptable, and the second half was pretty strong. And that's why you have a halftime. That's why you have a manager. That's why you make adjustments. That's why you make subs. And it was a, it was a very good positive. I don't care what Julian Laurence says at the end of the game from ESPN, criticizing Pochettino, criticizing Chelsea. Okay, sometimes you have to win ugly. And I don't think the second half was ugly at all. I just think that we made adjustments. Everybody knew that we were playing below standards. In the second half, we looked much, much better. Okay, Gusto playing in his natural position. Cole Palmer getting the ball more. Medueke coming on, showing... Uh, two-sided football, he's playing defense, he's playing offense. I love that from him because he didn't used to do that. Uh, David Washington could be making some very interesting runs, getting involved in the play, scoring an almost very impromptu goal with his header. I really like that, Johnny, on the spot. But at the end of the day, you make adjustments, and that's what the managers are for. And he did his job. What do you think, Nina? 
Yeah, I agree with you. Well said. And at the end of the day, it's always about how you finish a game off. Everyone's been banging on about results, results, results. We got a result and we got a clean sheet. You know, these things don't come as a given at Chelsea this season. So really, how many games have we played where we've said, oh, we deserved more, we deserved more points and we've had good performances. But reality is the points were not added in the Premier League. So really, it's just come to a point where you have to take games where, you know, we've seen Man United win many ugly games or get last minute winners and they've grinded out results which is why they've gotten themselves where they were in the league at the start of the season even though we'd argue that frankly we were better than them but you know reality is results are what get you up in the Premier League and results are what get you through the next round in um, cup games too so yeah look I'm happy take it for what it is it's good to get some momentum going into a semi-final it's good and it's great to see some young players on the score sheet too because that's where their confidence comes from you know Broy has been heavily criticised for not being very good since his return and with Jackson's absence it's his time to shine so hopefully this is a a good stepping stone for him as well he is going to be our first choice I mean he's the only out and out number nine we have at the minute to choose from so yeah I think Midrick as well he should have probably stayed on the pitch longer I'd argue it's the only thing that I would have wished for that game because he obviously was involved in the first goal retrieving the ball for Malo Gusto and nicely you know um, returning it to him and he equally could have got an assist himself shortly after with a great ball to Broyer. So there are still things to come and we've got two really important games. If we can win them both, then that's just going to be a, a much better step forward. Right now, it's one game at a time. The bigger picture doesn't look too good this season, but there is still something to fight for and I think that's worth concentrating on. Yeah, and I know that you got to get out of here, no problem, but before we get to, to Matt and Jared, you can go ahead and give some final thoughts and uh, also thank you for coming on. You were You were lovely. Um, but if you want to give some I final thoughts before been. you head out. No worries. So, say again? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just any final thoughts and then uh, we'll get you out of here and then we'll close up shop in a couple of minutes as well. Oh, sorry, was that to me? <laughs> yes, yes, oh, right. yes. Um, yes, I mean, well, like I said, it'd be great to get far in a domestic cup. We haven't won at Wembley in ages and I think if uh, Poch gets his hands on some silverware if the players get their feet you know their hands on that winning feeling winning as a collective it's just an improvement already and we said we want a trophy well there is still a trophy on the table there for the takings that might mean obviously facing Liverpool in another cup final and god forbid a penalty shootout I can't be bothered to sit through another one but you know there (laughs) are still there are still things to to work for this season and although Europe seems far-fetched it could actually be closer if we were work hard and we just yeah go in a bit of a streak I think consistency is something we haven't had at Chelsea in a while if these players can go on a bit of a run I think it will uh, yeah be be much better and really you know how um sort of how like what's the word I don't want to be too overly high with my standards but at the same time I just think winning a domestic cup would be uh, a really really good for us this season yeah <laughs> okay well that was Nina with Chelsea Fan TV and uh, we do appreciate you coming on thank you so much Thank you very much for having me. Have a lovely day all. See ya. Thank you. Um, Jesters, how about you? Second half, um, much better, right? Adjustments, subs, maybe a tweak in the style of play, getting the goals, them being deflated, obviously, certainly after the second goal. Well, I, I think that uh, we need to not say it was – tale of first half and second half it was a tale of 60 minutes and 30 minutes because 
<laughs> the first 15 minutes of the second half was the same lineup. The same, the same, everything was the same. Uh, what happened was somebody actually put the ball in the back of the net. It's amazing when you play a low blocks teams that want to sit back and play defensive. What putting the ball in the back of the net means to the game and the flow of it, because they can sit back all they want to after that you score the first goal, you're going to win one nil. So they do have to be try to be at least more aggressive offensively where the game's done and dusted. So I think the biggest point for the match was getting the first goal and had Palmer or either Sterling or Broa, Broa scored in the uh, first half on one of the excellent balls that Enzo put over the top, we would, we, the game would have been a lot more simple than it was. And maybe we're not talking so much about the difference between the first and the second half as in it was a dominant performance and on to the next. And, and I'm saying all this because, for me, Enzo was man in the match. Mm. And I'm tired of those low IQ Chelsea fans that think they know about football and know nothing about football. Because if you are a creative player and you're trying to be creative with passes, your passing percentage is going to be lower than somebody who is just moving it to the next station. Oh, were they bitching about his Mm. completion percentage yesterday? Really? Mm. Come on. You know, no, 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 no. You gotta break some eggs if you're gonna make an omelet. But he's he's taking risks. That's that's fine. Not every time is he gonna get 95% pass completion. Sometimes it's gonna be in the 80s. Big deal. Yeah, so that's really what I have. It, it for me is not a, two, a, 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 a tale of two halves. It's a tale of pre-goal and after-goal. Because once we got the goal, it was on. Everybody was flowing. And yes, we looked better once the substitutions were made because, again, I don't know where they found Madueke, this Madueke from, uh, because that's not the dude we saw earlier this season. Somebody put some some uh, meth in Mr. McGlue's feed bag or something. I don't know. <laughs> but But he is, you know, he, he's on fire right now. So he, for me, he's got to start at right wing. Yeah, And if it's true that Nkunku is going to be out for three weeks, Palmer needs to drop into that 10 position. And you then you say, okay, he's probably going to start Sterling on the left wing. Okay, bring in Mudrick for a changeup. That's fine. But whatever it is, you need to start playing those players in the position so they can build some chemistry together. Because you can't continue to chop and change and put people in different positions because they're never going to build any chemistry and you're never going to see any flow because, you know, Enzo should be able to go, oh, I know Madwege is going to be right here and I can ping this pass and he's going to be there. Well, how does he know that? He has played very few minutes with him. you got to start building some of that chemistry and say, look, this is going to be my starting 11. Everybody else, guess what? When you have an opportunity, you better step up. Matty, second half? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we weren't overall more positive in the second half. Um I think it did reflect in our play. Um, obviously, the uh, Jesters is right. When, as soon as you score the goal, it's going to change the game completely because not just you change your tactics and you're growing more confidence, but 
Preston's whole game has to then change because they have to go score a goal. They can't just lose one nil in this match and take a one nil loss. They have to come come back and try and score a goal. So obviously you're going to it's going to open it up more, more and more. And that that is unfortunately I think fans just have to realise that is what happens when you you face low block teams. It will be tough and it will be you you will you, it will be tough and it won't be the best looking thing when. Um, when it's nil-nil, but as soon as you score that first goal, that's when they should open up and then you'll be able to hopefully then score more goals because there'll be the space to them run into. Um, but unfortunately, as usual, our fans are just, they just, they, they won't, they can't, they can't, they can't speak in one way um, and then not the other. But um, it, it is, it is, the, it, is the, it is what it is. Um, you can't help it. Uh, our fans nowadays, but it was it was a good second half. Um, and just to add on Julian Lawrence, I think he should just stick to journalism. Um, he doesn't have the resume to talk about managers, so just stick to transfers, mate. <laughs> oh no! Don't don't make him retreat. Oh no! Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to make any French jokes, but you, uh, you, you made it. Now. I want to a, I want to wave at the white flag. Uh, I'm lit tired. Uh, no, 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 no. I we've Julian. Julian's really good at transfers. I just uh, I really, yeah. really, really don't like what he said about Pochettino. That seemed oh. personal. That seemed personal. Yeah, in Julian, the in that uh, uh, what you do to like in the kitchen if you're gonna make a. a Certain type of meal, Julian? Don't you in a process for food? I don't know what that means. It's got to be a good dad joke. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, okay, I guess we got no chefs. The chefs out there will understand. No, no, no that's, that's a joke for Mitchie Boy. That's not a joke for me. I don't know anything <laughs> about the culinary arts. Well, see, that one's just for Mitchie Boy. We know he <laughs> listens. Yeah, that guy, look, any anybody that works for ESPN FC, I'm sorry. I haven't seen very many good opinions come out of that that place in a long time. Oh, long Julien. Time. French cut, Julien. Okay, I got you. I got you. <laughs> Excuse me. But all, 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 I'm getting, all I'm saying is just journalists stay in your lane. If, 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 you're, if you actually know about football and you've played in football, you're a manager in football, you can speak. Um, even if you're a fan, to an extent, you do have an opinion. And some fans are very logical, some fans not. Um, but you're a journalist. You, you report transfers. Stick to transfers. Well, I, don't, I don't go to Fabrizio Romano about the tactics of Manchester City. I go to Fabrizio Romano to know who's coming to Chelsea. So just Julian and Ron, stick to that and just get off ESPN, um, please, and stop talking about Chelsea. I mean, Craig Burley's worse. Oh, so. he's way worse. He's oh. even worse, man. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, he hurts my brain. You want to talk about Vendetta? You, you guys, yeah, you got, at least you guys didn't have to listen to BBC yesterday. The BBC commentary, oh, my God. was just Oh, during the game? The amount of times they mixed up Enzo and Madrid. Oh, wow. How can you mix those two up? I don't know. (laughs) Not like they look exactly like each other. Oh, my Um, God. They said that Caicedo, uh, generally this season, he's uh, struggled to pass at all this season. It's not accurate at all. Um, What what was the other thing they said? Um, Oh, they they said that Madrid's... uh, 
fee was eighty eight million pounds, which is just not right. I, I expect not a big a big a, a big company like the BBC, I expect to at least get basic facts right that a yeah. low town boy from Essex doesn't have to just say, Well, you're wrong. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, shout out multiple references to Essex. <laughs> hey! Big up Essex. Blowing bubbles. There you go. Um, all right, well, let's wrap up with some final thoughts. Uh, go ahead, Jesters. Age before beauty. Yeah, well, you know, there's not much much uh, beauty uh, since since one of our guests left. Uh, but thank yeah, you. She was coming. she was great, by the way. Yeah, what? she was she was amazing. She was, she was great. So we're we're gonna title this episode uh, Three Men and a Lady." Yeah. So uh, shout, I, I shout like out to, <laughs> to to the eighty. Uh, well, I guess early 90s movie yeah yeah uh but look um it's looking a little bit better you can see some positives um and as long as we can actually get healthy and put the correct players in the correct positions i think there's a run um and if we do go on that run i expect it put it to put us into a european position now everybody asks, well, what is that European position? Well, right now I can only tell you European position because I don't know when we're getting everybody back and if they will all stay healthy. Because right now, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman playing for Chelsea, everybody is cursed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Saw that. That was was a dagger before I came on. And that's really all I have. Happy birthday to Eden Hazard. Uh, Breezy, shout out to Breezy, happy birthday. You know, y'all are blessed to have the same birthday as me. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Matt, final thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got, the, we've got the Carabao Cup midweek. I think it's probably one of the most important games this season. Um, I think we will beat Middlesbrough over two legs, so I'm not particularly worried about it, but... Um, we just need to get through, get this get this Europa Conference League sealed before we even have to worry about the league so we can have a bit less pressure going into it. Um, I do agree. I think we'll get Conference conference League at least no matter what. Um, whether we get Europa League or Champions League depends on how these players want to shape up for the rest of the season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it, was an exciting, it was more of an exciting game um, and I'm happy to hopefully go into this run of January uh, on a good run despite... In Cuckoo being injured for three weeks, thanks. Um, and uh, Sam Kerr being out for the rest of the season. It's just what you want to know on a Sunday morning, but is what it is. Uh, life of being a Chelsea fan. And happy birthday to Jesters and Breezy, by the way. Boo. Um, I'll say this last part, and it's interesting that we have a sports science guy on right now. Um, there's no way that we're really this injured. Um, you know, when I was playing, I was never a hundred percent. Nobody is a hundred percent during a long season. You're always going to carry something strained ligament in your ankle, you know, maybe a tight it band, you know, maybe, maybe your, your adductor is is flaring up. Knee is sore. You're always going to have something. And I feel as though, now I may be wrong in this, and I don't want to sound ignorant, but I feel as though that this medical staff 
is being way too cautious. I think that they are treating Knox as real injuries when they're not. A professional footballer should not be expected to be 100% knock-free an entire season. You know, NBA guys, Jason Tatum, he, he plays most of the season with at least one or two injuries, and he plays at least 70-plus games in an A2 game regular season. Like, he always plays. And this this medical staff, I may be wrong again, but I feel as though in some instances they are treating Knox as real injuries, and I find that to be way too cautious. Now, I understand clubs are spending a lot of money on these players and they're investing in long-term people to be a part of their club, to be playing for this club. And so, you know, there is a sense of wanting to protect that investment because players are more expensive than they've ever been, of course. But at the same time, if someone has a bruise, he should not be sitting. If someone turned an ankle and can can wrap it before the game and play, he should not be sitting. If we're really treating knocks as real injuries, then we're being way too cautious. Because the amount of injuries on here, it's just, it just seems impossible to me that we have this many serious injuries that require four weeks out, two months out. I mean, I, I get it. If it's one thing where Carney needs surgery, okay, gotcha. Reese James needs surgery. Got it. But other ones, if they're knocks, I'm sorry. I don't buy it. Anyways, uh, this is, Matt, go ahead and close this out because I'm about to cough a lot. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I do agree with Carlito. I think most of these two to three week stuff, that, especially the ones where they say, oh, we, we, he's got a hip injury, but don't tell us actually what the hip injury is. And keep that very hidden. I feel like that's just a knock, and they're being very, very, very overcautious, which I can slightly understand. But then again, if it's detrimenting the fact that we're not getting results, what's the point of being overcautious? Um, it yeah. is what it is. Um, but thank you guys for listening to another hour and not nine minutes and twenty-seven seconds of a wonderful pod. Um, it was great, as I said, to have Nina on, new guest. Um, I'm sure we'll have some more new guests on, uh, but as well, you'll have to listen to the regular faces of Carlito Chesters and me, uh, Ramble on. Um, but check out Spotify, check us out on Apple Podcast, give us a review, uh, make sure you download the podcast, uh, it helps us out uh, indeed, and follow the Twitter um, and hear Carlito speak absolute. I'm going to leave it blank and let everyone else fill that in. Um Thank you it's so gold, much. Jared. Uh, we'll it's see. gold. I speak gold. Just gems. Juicy.